Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited Amazing Grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's Amazing Grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And this is a tremendously exciting time for me for a couple of reasons. One is this is the 100th podcast that I've done. I started doing podcasts last spring in 2019. And the people that I work with and helped me said, hey, you're getting close to 100 now. You want to save your best shot for your 100th and give it the the most promotion you possibly can. So God has worked that out sovereignly (laughs) as I ask him to get my friend Don Keith to be on for the hundredth one and it's it's just also a real special treat to have don with us uh, we go back a few years i'll uh, i'll give you don's introduction and then we'll talk don was born in battle creek michigan he lived there till he graduated from marshall high school he's married to his wife linda they have two grown married daughters janelle and sean four grandchildren he's pastored churches in michigan wisconsin florida he's the founding pastor of grace point community church in in Houston. He started it in 1987 and led that until last year. And he's got degrees from Olivet Nazarene University, PhD from Barnum Graduate School and Seminary. And he's the founder and president of Global Grace Seminary, where I'm proud to say I have a grace theology degree. Don brings over 40 years of pastoral experience and a heart to developing leaders who are on the cutting edge of the message of grace and the finished work of the cross. And These days, he leads the Digital Cathedral on Sunday morning, 10 o'clock Central Time, and his Wednesday night program at 8 o'clock, and he has thousands of people that listen every week and comment and respond and talk to each other about his teaching, and I'm one of those thousand, and I don't often get to listen live, but I always hear both of them, and what a pleasure it is for me to have my friend Don Keithley here with me today. Welcome again, Don. Hey, Paul, thank you. It's so good to be with you. Uh, that was a heck of an introduction. I was waiting to see who you were introducing. <laughs> I, I go, that, that can't be me. That's it, good to be with you, and I feel really honored that you have me on the 100th podcast. It's yeah. a heck of an accomplishment, brother. I tip my hat to you for your consistency and your ability to pull this together every week. I've watched any number of your podcasts, and you always do a fantastic job of interviewing. You have some great people on here and it's always, it's a variety. That's what I enjoy about the Watch Podcast. You have different people on that represent a multiplicity of diversity of opinions at times. So that's awesome. Well, we do. And thank you very much. I appreciate that encouragement. And Don, I'm of all people, you will be able to answer this question better than anyone. I'm putting you on the spot a lot today, aren't I? Yes. But I, I, <laughs> I always ask that my very first question is, how has your understanding, your revelation, your comprehension of God's love for all people, the finished work at the cross, grace for everyone, how's that 
not just changed your theology, but how's it changed your, where the rubber hits the road, your everyday life and relationships with your family, uh, with people you interact with, people you see in the, in the quick shop, people you see at Luby's. I know you like to eat there. And uh, how has all of this changed your interaction with people just every day? That's a great question, by the way. Because if it doesn't change our family, if it doesn't change our relationships, then there's not a lot of proof in the pudding, is there? No. When I look at this message of grace, it has been the most transformational message for me personally and for my family of anything that I've ever taught or ministered. And I go back, I started pastoring in 1969, so I I was one year shy of 50, 50 years pastoring when I plowed out of the brick and mortar building last year. So I've come through a lot of different phases. I've come through, gosh, the first thing that probably hit me was the shepherding movement back in the 70s, -hmm. early 70s with uh, Charles Simpson and that whole group of guys of the Fort Lauderdale Five. And I've come up through the deliverance, the prophetic, the word in faith. And all of those left a deposit in my life that changed me some, but nothing has changed me like this message of grace. And I'll tell you a couple of things that it's really done for me personally. And it does affect my my view at Luby's. It affects the way I see the man at the corner holding up a sign that says, you know, hungry, mm-hmm. need, need money, mm-hmm. whatever. My family. Paul said, don't know anybody after the flesh. And I think what this message has done for me and my family, it, it has helped us to not see people after the flesh, but to see them through the eyes of God, which is through grace, unconditional love, mercy that endures forever. Mm-hmm. It's not seeing them based on what they do. It's seeing them based on who they be. Mm-hmm. And for our family, I think that produced a tremendous surge of love in our church, acceptance of people that other churches did not accept. We were a multicultural church. We were a church that welcomed you regardless of sexual orientation. So it just opened up a lot of borders for communication and acceptance of people that I had never known before in any of the other areas that I ministered. And all the other areas seem to continue to have maybe some walls or divisions, a little bit of I'm in, you're out. It's us and you. And what Grace does for me and my family and where the rubber meets the road, the people I meet, I now see everybody as included in the plan that God had since before time. So it's it's been a total transformation for us. It's made us more relaxed, made us more comfortable, made us more at rest. It's, it's wonderful when you don't have to try to prove yourself to anybody. You can just be who you are. <laughs> and the more you are yeah. who you are, it seems like the easier it is for people to accept you. And the more you accept people, the more accepting people seem to be of who you are. So it's it's been an awesome time. Boy, that's really the truth. And you know, it's it's interesting, Don. The uh, I wouldn't expect anything different, but I'm thinking of some of our mutual friends and acquaintances, right. Steve McVeigh and Baxter Kruger and Paul Young, Malcolm Smith. Almost to a person, when I ask this question, they say. We can just be ourselves. We, yeah. we can be relaxed. We, we don't have an agenda with people. We don't think we have to prove something to them. We certainly don't have to save them. We don't have to uh, make sure that we get them to sign on the bottom line. And, oh, man, what a difference it makes. One of the things that totally impressed me when I began to come into this, probably the first real friend that I made was Steve McVeigh. 
he used to pick up on some of my Facebook posts and he would private message me and say, are you really a pastor? Do you have anybody left in your church? <laughs> and so I had Steve come in and I was immediately impressed with Steve just being who Steve was. There was no air. There was no demand. I began to have the other guys in, like you mentioned, Baxter Kruger, Francois de Toy. I had been accustomed in my years of pastoring when I had speakers in, there were certain protocols Sometimes they wanted certain hotels. You know, there was usually a list of, I wouldn't say demands, but requests that you kind of were expected to meet when you had these people in. And the thing that impressed me with all of these guys, they were just regular people. And I had to come to the conclusion that it was the impact of the message on their personal lives that made this difference. There was such a line of demarcation of what I was used to and having special speakers in. And when I had these guys that were bent toward grace and uh, the finished work of the cross, it was it was such a relief. It was so good. It was such a breath of fresh air to have other men around and come into the church and share with our church body who were just regular people. Paul Young is another one. I mean, what, what you see is what you get yeah. with these people. And they're just the real deal. But that seems to be a thread throughout people that are genuinely grace, that aren't mixed message, but are totally grace. That seems to be the thread that runs through is that they're very down to earth, very practical. They're just themselves. And uh, it takes all that pomp and circumstance and veneer off of any relationship that you have. So you can really get down to being friends. You can. I totally agree. I'd never heard you talk about that before with the difference in the people you mentioned coming in as before. Well, so when you come to Lawrence, the fact that you wanted the penthouse suite at the uh, (laughs) – no. (laughs) Uh, You're taking me out in a limo, right? I yeah, my favorite a, a 2007 I mean, you know. Pontiac uh, G7 limo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you, Don, how did this come about in your life? Because you have had a varied background and you mentioned the different movements I, I would say yeah. that you went through. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened to you? Did somebody come and knock on the door and say, Hey, I want to tell you about grace? How'd that happen? No, actually, Joseph Prince was my bridge. I heard some of Joseph Prince back when he was just first starting. This was back 2003 is when I came in contact with Grace. Came in contact with Joseph Prince, and I began to listen and read a little bit of his stuff. And it was, I go, wow, this is good news. So from Joseph, I began to do some exploring around on the Internet. And I ran into uh, ran into some different websites that I, I found that were along that same line. So every, to, to give you a little background, every year the church used to send us to Florida on a sabbatical for the month of June. We had a beach house. We'd go over there, just relax. I would read, study. So I was getting a line on grace and the finished work. So I ran off materials off the Internet. I had stacks of stuff, I, books I took with me. And I spent that 30 days just reading and absorbing. And I got so hyped, so excited about that message but I couldn't wait to get home to share it. I couldn't wait to get back to Houston to let everybody in on what was going on. So when I got back to Houston, I began to teach it, and I found out everybody wasn't as enthused about it as I was. But that was kind of my entrance way into it. And there, it just continually gripped my heart and progressed. And I wouldn't tell you that it wasn't without times of wondering if I wasn't nuts, if I wasn't falling for some kind of heresy or false teaching. You know, I would encounter opposition, especially from my some of my staff had been with me for over 20 years and I began to get pushed back from them. And I would take, you know, one step forward on a Sunday morning and teach a bold message. And then I would 
be confronted and I would take two steps back <laughs> and kind of go, well, maybe I need to rethink this. Maybe there's something wrong with me. But I think there comes a time in our walk in this when you kind of cross over the line. You just know that you know that you know that it's true. And it becomes, mm-hmm. it becomes that word becomes your flesh. It becomes ingrained into you. And everything in the Bible just opens up. You begin to read the same scriptures you always read, but you see them in an entirely different light. So for me, it was just a progression over time, but it entered in probably with Joseph Prince. I don't read much of Joseph anymore or watch him too much. He's, you know, it's a little bit mixture for me now, but he's a great bridge. And I think that's his position in the body of Christ is helping to usher people into this message. And I think from there you begin to grow. And grace for me was an entrance way into a lot of other things, but it just, it just kind of evolved. And with my background, in the Church of the Nazarene, which is a very legalistic church, when I grew up, we didn't do anything. I mean, whatever it was, they were against it. You didn't have to wonder. <laughs> they were just against it. We didn't go to movies. We didn't roller skate. We didn't go swimming. We didn't go to school dances, nothing. So for me to come into this was like this huge weight was taken off my shoulders. And it just resonated inside. I know now a lot more of what took place than I did then. But it was just a progressive walk. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. No. Once you once you got a hold of it, you can't let it go. It just begins to become a lifestyle that you enjoy more and more and more. But it's it's definitely a journey for sure. Oh, it is. Well, so many memories come to my mind as we're thinking about this. But I, you know, similar situation for me. I read a book uh, that somebody anonymously sent me called "The Rest of the Gospel" by Dan Stone and forget the other guy's name. And it was the first time I'd ever heard of grace. And I'd been a pastor for several years then. And then I started teaching through that. And somebody said, "Well, you have you ever heard of Steve McVeigh?" And I said, "No." And so I got Grace Walk, and I started teaching through. And then I literally thought. I'm very naive, but I literally thought I'm the only person, I'm the only one that has gone down this path. I hear and, you. and I, and yeah. so finally I, I started watching Steve. He had his Sunday morning, uh, message on his website then. And I got his administrative email and I told him I had this young fellow who was really good. There's great guy, really good speaker. And I had him speaking about a quarter of the time. And, uh, he was a youth pastor and worship leader. And I thought, well, I'm getting old. That, that was <laughs> 10 years ago. And I'm, I need to prepare somebody to take over for me. And I thought, well, I, I need to find a seminary I can send him to where he can learn this stuff. And so I, I wrote to Steve, I introduced myself and I said, can you tell me of a seminary where I can send this guy? And he said, Sadly, no. And there was none then. Right. There is now because you started the Global yeah. Grace Seminary, but there wasn't then. And I'm so grateful for the Internet, Don, because I felt like I was the only one. Yes. And uh, you said, you know, you'd come home and you'd yes. teach these messages and then uh, you, the elders would want to get together with you. And so are, are you saying this or are you saying yeah. that? And, and then finally they said, yeah. <laughs> I can remember when the elders came to me one time and I'd been teaching through Steve's books and stuff for maybe two years and things. And they called me in and they said, uh, okay, good job. We got this grace stuff. Now we want to go on to something else. <laughs> and in, in my suave and debonair way, I said, there is nothing else. <laughs> you know what, what's really tough from a pastor, I don't know how many pastors watch this, but when you first come into this and you begin to teach it, you really aren't absorbed into it enough to be able to talk about it fluently. At least I wasn't. I could teach it because I would study and then I would teach what I was studying. 
But when people ask you questions, it's like, oh, my gosh, I didn't think about that. Or they'd say, what about this verse of scripture? And I'd go, oh, my goodness, I don't know. You know, I, you try to make something up. So it, it, it takes a while for the message to become you, mm. you know, to where you own the message. Yeah. It's, it's just inseparable from you. That, that book that you mentioned, The Rest of the Gospel by Dan Stone, there, that was a, an influential book in my life, too. In fact, there was several chapters, I think, that he did. I don't know if you remember. It was called The Line yeah, in that book. Yeah. And I, I did a series of messages on The Line, and it probably was one of the best series that people really enjoyed. That yeah. I wish that book was still in print. Dan passed away, and yeah. I don't know that you can still get the book at Amazon, but that was a – Tommy Hawk is the guy. I think Tommy's probably a mutual friend. Facebook, you know Tommy yes, Hawk from yes. Atlanta? Yeah. He's the one that suggested that book really? to me back when, yeah. And I'm with you. Social media has played a huge part in this, and I thank God for social media. I probably learned more of my apologetics, my defense of the grace message on Facebook than I did anyplace else. Yeah. Of, oh, you know, me too. 10, 15 years ago, there weren't very many people believe in this. So I make a post on Facebook, and seriously, I would run four or 500 comments on it of people arguing about it. I don't get that much anymore. But back then, man, it would just go on. And I learned to dig. I learned to refute. I learned to explain myself on Facebook a lot. So social media also brought me a lot of contacts. Yeah. People that would say, I believe that, but I don't dare say anything. Yeah. I mean, even I've got a number of pastors, a good number of pastors that communicate with me that are in the closet. They're not about to come out on this because of the pushback, the shove back that they're going to get on the message. But, that was a great. Book. I got it right here, and I don't know I, if you can see or not, but uh, I, I got it. every chapter uh, actually torn out, and there I've got paper clips on them because as I I taught through each Yours chapter. Yours is well worn, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I learned a secret on how to re- respond to people on Facebook instead of posting what. I thought and what I was learning, I would post, my friend Don Keithley said this. What do you think about that? <laughs> I noticed that you do that. You say, I'm oh, you're you on to friend. me, huh? <laughs> Clever. I saw that and I go, okay, he's missing you know, a when I, when I do here. that, I get way more responses than uh, just off of regular thing. Exponentially more. Yeah. Yeah. Good, and, good you you yeah. mentioned we're almost out of time for this broadcast, but I, I want to hit one more quick thing before we talk about you coming here. You mentioned pastors coming out of the closet and stuff. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would guess that you now have an opportunity to uh, impact people of all different denominations and backgrounds and stuff where maybe you didn't have that before. Is that right? There's no question about it. And because I, men in denominational churches— are seeing this, but they know the denomination is going to squelch it. And they're in a tough spot because a lot of these guys have been in a denomination for years. Their retirement is built into the denomination. The church property is in the denomination name. So you get a man that's been a pastor for 25, 30 years, and he begins to come into this truth. It's really tough for him. And my heart goes out to them as to what course of action they should really take. It's, but yeah, there's a groundswell going on within denominationalism right now. And I don't know how it's going to play out. That's God's problem. But it's good to be able to talk to men and just have them be able to un, unload, unburden themselves. Because like you and I, they don't feel there's anybody they can talk to. 
Yeah. Well, I remember back in the day, I'd sit in my office and I go, if I just had somebody to go to lunch with and have a rapport with, then there just wasn't anybody. Yeah. And there's still a lot of people in that same situation that you probably get it. I get it every week. Do you know a Grace Church in Timbuktu, Arkansas that teaches what you're teaching? Because I would like to go there. Well, there isn't any. I mean, yeah. they're still very. Very scattered, very, very, very scattered all over. Yeah, not just Timbuktu. Most major cities don't have major one. Major cities, exactly. And, um, that's changing. And I, not like I thought it would. I thought there would be churches spring up all over, but it's it's little groups, pockets of people. It's uh, internet groups. It's digital communities. This has been a this this move has been different than any other. This is a grassroots movement. Yeah, most of the other other movements I've seen have come from top down. It's come from leadership. It's come from yeah. platform superstars. Yeah. This is a group of people you never heard of before. Yeah. And in homes, it's small groups, coffee shops. Yeah. It's reaching a point to where the larger denominations and churches are going to have to listen to it or they're going to lose, you know, market share. They're going to lose yeah. people. Yeah. That, boy, that's exactly right. And there are people who, uh, I won't mention their names now, but there are just scores of people who interact with you and with me and with others uh, on Facebook who are impacting little groups of people yes. in their home or maybe yeah. maybe Bible studies at the church. I think of one guy that you and I know well who, who lives in Texas, and he's still in a traditional church, and he's led a Bible study there for a long time. So I'm not going to yeah. mention his name, but, but boy, he's teaching what you teach, what I teach, and he's he's really impacting people, and uh, yes. it's, it's exciting to see. It is. What are you going to talk about when you come to Lawrence, Kansas in April 24th to 26th? That's going to be a great job. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm, I'm kind of amazed at the response of people I'm getting to say, we're going to be to Lawrence. We're going yeah. to, we'll meet you there. Yeah. So I'm encouraged by that. You know, the thing that the Lord has really put on my heart this year is manifesting his sons. This is one of the things that he, one of the, one of the trails that Grace is leading us to. I've had it heavy on my heart that it's, it's time that we stop having concepts and precepts and theories. It's time that we begin to demonstrate the message. And I've been in serious prayer and contemplation, meditation about how, how do we do this? Because I feel like I feel like until we can demonstrate the message that we're not really putting the stamp on what we're talking about. You know, there's nothing that endorsed the message of Jesus, but his manifestation of sonship, the things that he did. And he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil and crowds crowds followed. He went out in the middle of the desert and a crowd would show up. And I feel like God is saying we don't have to chase people. People will begin to chase us as we demonstrate the message. Mm. You know, we don't need to be God chasers. God has already run us down and now he's going to begin to show himself through us and people will be drawn to that message. So I'm beginning to get some light and some understanding and some things are beginning to work in my life on demonstrating the message. So I would like, I probably, I mean, the Lord can change our mind for sure, but I, I really see myself going out this year talking about the manifestation of the sons of God, what that is, what it looks like, how we can enter into it. You know, sonship, there are levels of sonship that we progress through, that God builds into us as we, we come through the, the different levels of the message frequencies, the vibrations, all different things that begin to line up. So I'm thinking that's probably a direction that we that we'll probably go in, in Lawrence as well as some of the other places I'm going this year. So I'm looking forward to it. I know that your group, you have you have them well founded. There's probably nothing I'm going to be able to tell them that you haven't already told them because you you take them pretty far. I know that you've done a great job. So for me, I guess 
coming into Lawrence, I'm probably going to be reaffirming some of the things you've already said. I don't know. But that's the direction I feel, sonship. No, that's that's wonderful. And I was hoping you would say that. That's just perfect. We're going to finish this episode, and we'll do another one uh, people will be able to hear a week from today. But as we close this one up, Don, tell people where they can see you online, where they can contact you and hear your message. We come out twice a week, uh, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Central Time. I have what I call the Digital Cathedral, and you can get that by going to my website, which is simply donkeithley.com. And when you hit the website, there's a great big arrow that says play. You just click on that. It'll take you straight to the teaching. The bombs drop every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And then on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock Central Time, the Don Keithley Ministry Facebook page, I do a Facebook Live, and we talk a little bit more depth, some different angles on the previous Sunday morning's teaching. And that gives people to comment, make observations. So there's twice a week that, that we're going public on Sunday morning, 10 a.m., uh, Digital Cathedral, com. then Wednesday night, 8 o'clock Central, on the Don Keithley Ministry. My website, of course, is donkeithley.com. If you want to contact me, you can through there or through message on Facebook. But those are the two times a week that we can do, do something for everybody on a public basis. And those are, I don't miss either one. I rarely get to hear them live. I did last night, but uh, I, of course I can't Sunday morning, but I'd never miss watching a, a replay of them. And generally, a couple of weeks later, then I'll say, well, you know, I heard Don Keithley say this. And then after a little while, I'll say, well, why is then finally I'll just say, I've always said, you know, but yeah, yeah that you're, I'm, That's good. I'm telling everybody where, no I get, where I get a lot of my inspiration. Don, thank you so much for being with us on our 100th podcast and privilege. being willing to come back next week uh, for the next one. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. And we'll talk next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.